Irish Illustrated insider Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated with Pete Sampson from The Athletic. Great news from Brian Kelly on Thursday. Nobody's in quarantine. Nobody's in isolation. Their practice sessions this week have been as smooth and cohesive as they've been at any time, really, I guess, since last season. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a good good place to be. Um, you know, I, it was interesting. I got a text from a, a player's parent yesterday about from a, a player who was was positive and just sort of detailing what the the comeback was going to be like. And the, I I would just sum it up as this: since um, week two to basically now, this kid has had three padded practices in the course of a month. So, you know, getting the numbers back is is huge. That's a huge first step. Um, but I think the tale of returning to training and getting these reps in, man, it's, um, I guess you could say it's coming at the perfect time because the tail will have exhausted itself by the time Clemson is here. And at that point, Notre Dame really should have not only a full available roster, but a fully trained roster. And there should be only two at most with Kaiser and MTA that are probably working out this week, getting their feet wet. Everybody else should be back. And Tim, Tim and I talked about an instant analysis, moving Sean Crawford back to safety. Because Clarence Lewis, for all the hey, hand-reading, well, he barely played last week. Well, that's because he just got back. Now he's been back a week and also played in a game. So I, I think, you know, I'm sure Kaiser and MTA will be in the position a lot of players were last week where they're not themselves if they get in there. You'd like to see them get in there just like Clarence Lewis did. Paul Mawala out, of course, with the Achilles injury, out for the season. Lawrence Keyes in the third phase of concussion protocol. We'll see how much that impacts his uh, ability to play this week, he's, he has been replaced on the punt return by Kevin Austin. Uh, Avery Davis was taking the number one snaps when they don't use a tight end in that spot. So, I mean, by and large, pretty much a, a, a full, full slate of players for the fourth game of the year. That's pretty good, all things considered. Now they're going to go into a long stretch here where they're playing week after week. And uh, you'll, you'll have some uh, attrition due to injuries. But um, – Let's get into Nordame Louisville. I, I think last week at this time, uh, we were assuming that <laughs> Louisville's a layup kind of to, in some respects. We all know, though, what they can do offensively. Malik Cunningham at quarterback, Javon Hawkins at uh, running back, a bevy of receivers led by Tutu Atwell and Des Fitzpatrick, a quality tight end that they use well with their scheme, Marshawn Ford. There are a ton of weapons for Notre Dame to deal with. Brian Kelly said they would kind of scale back a little bit about on what they're doing defensively because too many guys were unsettled pre-snap against Florida State. I think that's the right approach. But any way you look at it, it's still a really, really dangerous football team offensively. Defensively, they're hemorrhaging points. But offensively, you know, they can keep – they're capable when they're not fumbling it away or turning over through the air of keeping their defense off the field. I feel like this is a return to normalcy for Notre Dame's defense, though. Um, I, for Javian Hawkins and Tutu Atwell and, and Cunningham, um, you know, Des Fitzpatrick, I, I have a very difficult time, especially against a full-strength Notre Dame secondary. You know, if Kyle Hamilton was still out with a sprained ankle, I might feel differently. Um, but they should be able to play their A-list secondary a maximum number of steps on Saturday. And I, I don't know, I, just, I have a hard time seeing – Notre Dame looking dull defensively for all the, the, the skill position players Louisville has because their offensive line is not good. Um, there's a reason Cunningham is scraping himself off the grass 
most weeks. Um, so it's, I don't know. I, I feel like the matchup is really bad for Louisville because their, their strength is not strong enough to overcome some serious weaknesses. I don't think it is either, except I'm not sure how, how Notre Dame will do in space on the back end with uh, Hawkins and Atwell. I think they're special uh, athletes and I'm not, I, I do not buy into, and by the back end, I mean the back seven. Um, there's obviously remarkable athletes in Usu Cormo and Hamilton. And then you trust Crawford. I don't know what else I trust back there in the back seven when, when things get open. But to, Pete, you made a good point about their offensive line. Things don't have to get as open when your offensive line, like last year's offensive line, Makai Becton, he killed Jolie Nakora. We didn't think that was happening going to that game. I mean, their offensive line did well in that game. Um, I would be a little more concerned than you, Pete, if I didn't think Notre Dame was going to line up and be patient and absolutely pulverize their defensive front at Louisville. I, I, I believe Tommy Reese, if things don't go well, because as Brian Kelly mentioned, Hey, we're not getting hat on hat. I think he'll just stick with it until they get hat on hat. And then eventually that will, he will impose his will on them. Um, but I could see Louisville scoring some points, but I like your word. They won't be dull. They, they felt dull. The defense just felt, and it felt a step slow would be the other way, just because of what Brian Kelly noted, they weren't practicing like they normally do. I, I tend to agree with what Tim's saying in terms of, I mean, weapons are weapons, and it's it's going to be difficult to to contend with them. And yet, I think Pete is absolutely right. I, I think Notre Dame's defense goes into this. It's like, okay, you know, we had some we had some slip ups against Florida State, but now we're yeah. ready to get things back in order. My, I guess that, you know, if if Jack Kaiser, you know, there's a guy that's played <laughs> one game, but I, I think we all felt like had Jack Kaiser been in the lineup for Notre Dame last week, things would have been different a little bit different defensively at the, from the buck linebacker position. I think he makes a difference. I think you get him out there, whether he's been compromised practice wise this week or not. Um, yeah. Um, Cunningham has been sacked 14 times, which is a ridiculous number for a guy as athletic and mobile. as yeah. that. I, I do. I do think that he creates some of that. Sometimes he holds onto the ball a little bit too long and trusts his legs so much that he tries to get out of an impossible situation instead of throwing it away. But having said that, it's still, it's an offensive line issue, but the worst matchup in this game is Louisville's defense against Notre Dame's offense. (laughs) Notre Dame should absolutely be able to do whatever they want. You can run your three, four. Brian Kelly said they love to press the line of scrimmage. Go ahead and press the line of scrimmage and Notre Dame's tight ends will destroy you. And, if either of Notre Dame's top two running backs, I guess you could include Flemister in the third running back, if they get through that first wall of defenders, there's going to be a ton of room to roam because, you know, as Kelly said, it's an undersized linebacker core. They're in a 3-4, so they feel like they need to press the defensive line. I think there's a whole bunch that Tommy Reese can do, and I think if there's anything that we've seen in the last 11 of 12 quarters, it's that Tommy Reese knows how to press the right buttons. We talk about uh, screen passes that don't work, but every time he calls them, they're set up for a 75-yard game. So if the quarterback can just complete the damn pass, uh, the, the short little lob to the running back, um, you know, I think Reese has shown that he's he's prepared with, with, for what the opposition is doing. And what the opposition is doing in this case is not very good defensively for Louisville. I mean, Louisville against Power 5 competition is allowing 6.76 yards per play. Only LSU, Vanderbilt, and Ole Miss are worse among Power 5 teams. So it's – this is – you know, in terms of pressing the right buttons, 
it's like the staples easy button for Tommy Reese on this one. I don't think this is going to require a whole lot of like whip smart adjustments on his part. Um, other than just like, should I give the ball to Kyron Williams? Should I give the ball to Chris Tyree? Should I give the ball to Sebo Flemister? Um, and I, I would expect Tommy Tremble to be more involved in the past game than he was last week. So it's, you know, you're, you're not asking, you know, for all the, I guess the psychological boost that Brian Kelly is trying to give Javon McKinley, um, the, the standard, uh, the rule Javon McKinley of blocking all the time will suffice great this week, opposed to the exception Javon McKinley of hundred yards receiving. I just think that, you know, they can play this game in a box and just bludgeon Louisville uh, to death. I have put it this way. They, the running back suffered seven stuffs last week, two of them in the last two plays. They'll probably get a few more stuffs because Louisville will be moving around and get a free shot on a running back, but the running backs only had eight, 10 yard gains and they will have way more Notre Dame than eight, 10 yard gains. And they'll use a third running back to get them. Ian book will get a couple. Um, of course, their 10-yard gains were 65, 46, 45, 25. But I just think that, Pete, you make the point of six yards of carry. I mean, you're going to see a lot of second-level runs by Notre Dame as this game goes along. And that that offsets the every-once-in-a-while stuff. Um, Notre Dame's run game is on fire. Pete, I know you do run efficiency. Against Duke, it was 35% for the game, 72.7% against South Florida, and 76.9% against Florida State, an efficient run. They are just going to keep running the ball until they those decide were, to throw it. <laughs> those percentages, as I've tracked them, are the best they've ever been. Um, and I've the 35% never, is ridiculously low. <laughs> if you yeah, think about that's it, terrible. Like, yeah. But, like, once you get over – like, 60% is really good, um, and then, like, over 70% is ridiculous. A lot, of that two, 30, a lot of that 35% against Duke was probably in the first quarter, right? Yeah, but it never it was uh it was the first half. Um and then they got much better in the second half. It's just the, the ridiculousness, it's just checks. I wish I could show the people listening right now the, the check marks and X's. <clears throat> There's just so many first and second down efficient runs against Florida State. It just didn't matter what else happened. But you know it, it does matter because when you do that, Dave McKinley gets open. And in this game, Braden Lindsay's gonna get open, the tight ends are gonna get open. It's Notre Dame's gonna score points. Um we have faith the defense was an anomaly. I, I have, I think Louisville's offense is better than they've shown, but as long as the Buck linebacker isn't having a bunch of busts, I have a lot of faith in Notre Dame's defense. A couple things that I don't think Notre Dame should count on. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the minus eight turnover margin that, that right, Louisville right. currently has, that's, that's not going to hold up. Um, for the you year, can't. you mean? For the year. Well, I mean, they've, yeah. they've played four games. They've had two, yeah. three, three, and three turnovers, and they've only forced three turnovers. So it's really ugly. And, I mean, I you know, I guess it could hold it could hold form for another game, but that's just not something you can count on week after week. Uh, you know, Louisville plays fast and a little bit reckless, I guess you could say, offensively. So that kind of causes some of that, but I don't know that you can count on that continuing. And then the other thing is, and this is something Scott Satterfield talked about, earlier in the week they just have not hit the deep ball and they relied heavily upon that last year and you could easily see where that could come back into play at any time you have guys like Atwell and Atwell and uh, uh, Fitzpatrick Uh, he mentioned Marshall but the guy I like uh, Brian Kelly mentioned Marshall but the guy that I like is is uh is Braden Smith who's done a good job in addition to Marshawn Ford their, their their tight end so you know it's going to be hard for those trends to continue every week. And it just may not continue this week, which heightens the game a little bit. 
Cunningham led the nation last year in yards per completion at over 18, but Notre Dame, I mean, historically Notre Dame is not giving up True. a big play under Clark Lee too. So that's I, a good, as, that's as, a good as, strength versus strength. match. Yeah, that is. And you, you, especially when you have Crawford back at safety, I think Pete, I'd be a little more concerned than you if Crawford was playing corner and they had another safety playing safety. Out of yeah, their I mean, if, yeah. if they had to rely on Houston Griffith and DJ Brown for 70 snaps combined, like, yeah, I think I think that would be an issue, but um, I don't. So I, I think I, DJ Brown, I think, is fine as your third safety in your nickel dime package to go with McLeod, Bracey, and Clarence uh, Lewis, right? I mean, that's yeah. how they break that yeah. down. Certainly, that's, I, that's big. Certainly a high, guaranteed high-scoring game, just like last week, guaranteed low-scoring game, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they hit the over at by halftime, which was – which is Not, I wasn't like, feeling good about my gambling advice last week. I'm oh, speak, speaking of speaking of gambling advice, I'm going to regret. I talked to my Florida State buddy and everybody that likes Florida State's uh, resurgence because of that game. Tamari and Terry is once again out because he always has something to keep him out. And Jordan Travis is really beat up, but he's going to play. So if you think they need Tamari and Terry like I do, don't bet plus 10 and a half against North Carolina. And also, I just wanted to get Terry into one more podcast and now yeah. it's done. So and speaking, speaking of being gambling, if you had the Dodgers last night, minus one and a half, they scored 11 in the first. So the game the game went over, and, and it was a virtual lock for the Dodgers. One half inning into the baseball game. You don't That's see nice. that very That's often. Nice. All right, no more gambling news here. Second segment, burning up the boards, coming up. Indiana Dunes Tourism, located between Chicago and South Bend in northwest Indiana, is a proud supporter of Irish Illustrated. Extend your Notre Dame visit with a trip to the nation's newest national park. Visit indianadunes.com. Segment two, Irish Illustrated Insider. We start with Statman72 with a question. Pittsburgh limited Louisville to 223 yards and 20 points. If Notre Dame doesn't come close to matching that performance, does that increase the fear factor going into the Pittsburgh game next week? would be more afraid if uh, Louisville limits Notre Dame to the 23 points they limited Pittsburgh to of the Pittsburgh game. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> that's, that that's, that's, that, that's a bigger problem. Um, I expect Notre Dame to score a lot, or I, I would hope Louisville doesn't score 33 points or along those lines, but if you're going to be hitting 20 to 27, considering what I think Notre Dame is going to score, I think it's okay. And there's, there's backdoor points probably coming for Louisville, right? Yeah, I, I feel like 20 points seems – about right, maybe a little more, but 223 yards, I, I almost like don't care. If they have, if they score 17 points, but they have 350 yards, I'm not going to like think much differently about Notre Dame's defense than if they allow 17 points and 225 yards. I think those are, that's, that's sort of window dressing at that point. Yeah. I, I, regardless what happens this week, I think you have to be wary going into Pittsburgh <clears throat> just because you, I mean, if you see that defensive line play, they're really, really good. They're so disruptive. So we'll worry about that next week but um you know i mean it, 20 is not uh i, I mean uh, if they hold to 20 points their name's gonna win by three and a half touchdowns yeah i don't, so whatever, I don't think whatever, Nordic, but, your know, name's not going to limit them to 223 yards i don't I, think I, so either i find that a little bit hard to believe even if they play very very well um but i don't know either way it's going to be a challenge i do want to say tj from pa 70 we did not use your question because we covered it in segment one, but I think that's the first time we picked you for a question. So please keep submitting your questions to us, and we move on to Wash ND. What is more likely versus Louisville? Ian Book throws for 
250 yards or Notre Dame runs for 300 yards again? Well, I mean, I was, I was all over the 300s a lot, um, but it would, 300 wouldn't surprise me at all, honestly, because the way I think they'll keep running the fourth quarter and salt it away. Um, book for 250. Just what Brian Kelly mentioned, you have to attack him downfield. That, that could be – he did throw for 261 against Duke, and it felt like he threw for 12. So I could see Book going for uh, over 250 in this game. 300 is a lot to ask. How about 280 and 252? Yeah, how about 250 of each? There you um, go, yeah. Yeah, so I guess by that definition, 250 from Book is more likely than 300 on the ground. But like you said, neither statistic would really surprise me. I really, I, I said in segment one, but I really think, I mean, keep an eye on the tight ends. I think it's a huge game for the tight ends because, you know, Notre Dame should physically manhandle Louisville up front. And they have no choice but to bring their linebackers right. up. They will drop. Now, as far as the 250 passing, they will, they'll rush three and drop eight a lot in third and long situations or even third and, I mean, I saw it in third and six when I think you're going to throw. So, um, yeah, I just think there's a, <laughs> I mean, you're right. I mean, there's a whole bunch of yards either way. Uh, and I think Tommy Reese is going to be like when you're Tommy Reese and you're preparing for this game, you got a lot of buttons to push, man. Yeah. You got a lot of buttons to push and, and not only play calling wise, but personnel wise. So I, I, I think there's a ton of yards here for Notre Dame. And Tim, you mentioned buttons to push. It's because your five linemen and two tight ends are all going to win their assignment. Yes. So your call works out. I mean, it's, it is the man-on-man situation. Louisville has starting, is starting two former walk-ons on its defensive line. Now, they're not, you know, bad walk-ons, but they're not Liam Eikenberg and Aaron Banks either. That's, that's kind of – Notre Dame had a couple good walk-ons playing too. Did you want them going against Clemson? <laughs> that, that's that's what it looks like well, when, when you're going against Notre Dame's line. And, you're and I could, and I ever since I did the first rate, I'm trying to find my notes here. If you hear me flipping, um, I mean, I like their linebackers. Their linebackers are good. They're a little bit undersized, but I like what they do uh, from that second level. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how good you are if Notre Dame's if their offensive line is is zone blocking yeah. and squaring people up. And you know, I mean, theoretically, you have man on man with the three defensive linemen and then two offensive linemen moving to the second level, right, in a zone blocking scheme against those linebackers. And I, they're, they're in a bunch of trouble at that point. I do like – Jared Goldwire is a, is a good football player, number 90 up front. But, uh, man, you're in trouble, Louisville, when it comes to that part of the game. Jim underscore Booty, CRS, how do you see Tommy Reese deploying Kevin Austin versus Louisville this weekend? More and with Javon McKinley, right? I mean, that's the those are the two answers. Mine was mine was more than last week and less than you want, Jim Booney, CRS, and everybody else. <laughs> so I just think it's more than last week. I mean, that was he was Brian Three Kelly wasn't steps. lying. Yeah, he was he wasn't lying. He wasn't gonna play a lot. I hope he plays a little bit more this week because otherwise he's not getting open against Pittsburgh. It's two years out, man. Two years out of the game. Now, and you have a full, he has a full week, presumably has yeah. a full week of, week of practice with no restrictions. You know, we're always asked to put numbers on these things. I mean, you know, the over, it went over at halftime last week. So we're a little bit challenged to make some of these calls, but 20 snaps. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I, I think he has a handful of catches, whether that's three That'd or four. Nice. I, I do think. I do think that he's involved. Our next question is from Tool 1934. Can we pump the brakes on Kevin Austin being a major contributor this season? 
He hasn't played in two years. What has he shown other than that one practice O'Malley refers to? His one route on Saturday was less than stellar. He would have received a loaf in on with my grade. I feel like we're talking hey. about Tony Jones and Chase Claypool in practice freshman year here. Everybody's getting on me for the Kevin Austin practice. Pete Sampson saw that practice. He looked good, didn't he, Pete? It was excellent. And <laughs> I think it's – I mean, look, this is – somebody asked me this in my mailbag about, like, hey, is, is the is the clock ticking on Austin to the point where, like, he just doesn't have time to, to hit the ceiling? Go back to Boykins and Claypool's sophomore years. Claypool's through oh, – Freshman and sophomore years was Claypool was 34 catches, 483 yards, two TDs. Boykin his first two years, six catches, 81 yards, one TD. Nobody knew like Boykin was essentially Javon McKinley until the end of the LSU game, his junior year. So there's still quite a bit of time for Kevin Austin. Maybe it's not the three and out player that you thought Notre Dame was getting it at when he signed, but there's still plenty of time to have for him to have two really good years. Yeah, and the one practice that we saw in spring is not the only practice that Notre Dame has right. had. They've had about 100 since then this fall. Maybe that's too many, at least leading up to it. I mean, just because we haven't seen it doesn't – I mean, Brian Kelly was asked about him the other day, and, you know, every coach has some hyperbole in him, but he basically said this is a star waiting to happen. So what we have or haven't seen – uh, tool 1934 every one of your comments on twitter about Notre Dame football is negative so i'm not surprised at all that you've asked a question like this uh, but i think kevin austin by all accounts still has a chance to be a really good football player you know what i would uh, i wouldn't give him a loaf um i know what tool's talking about here i would give him a, i haven't played football in two years trying no, to I, post yeah, I, agree. I think yeah. it was just it, it was hesitation if yeah. you want to call a loaf yeah i pointed out and tail the tape that was no way to make your debut. You should have ran through it and tried to make a play. But we're 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 talking about as if Kevin Austin hasn't been on the practice field. He has been. They believe in him. His teammates say he's going to be great. His head coach says he's going to be great. He's got a chance to be a pretty good football player. Way to go, K-Man. Who has better odds of returning to Notre Dame next year, Skaronic or Nick McLeod? Uh, that's an interesting question. We don't know either one of them. <laughs> We've uh, <laughs> we all get to I, talk to them if they return next year yeah, or Notre Dame goes to the playoffs. Right. So and we've that's... barely seen them play. I guess off the top of my head, I would say Nick McLeod because I think Nick, Nick McLeod has the best future in the game. I think Nick McLeod looks like he can play in the NFL. And if this season is abbreviated, it already has been to some extent because of his shoulder. You know, maybe he he needs to, he feels like he needs one more year in the college game to prove that he's a a viable draft prospect, which I think when healthy, he is. I, I guess I would say McLeod just because I'm highly certain Skronik won't. Um, and that yeah, doesn't mean that I have any intel that McLeod will or is interested in doing so. Um, <laughs> but I don't know, you know, if his shoulder is balky all year, if he's not healthy and is going to, you know, maybe shoulders often need surgery. Maybe that's going to happen in January. Maybe that leads him to come back for a yeah. sixth year. I, I'm not really sure. I just don't, I don't think Skoranek's head is in a space where he's thinking about a six year at Notre Dame at this point. At the depth chart level, Nick McLeod could start next year. There's Clarence Lewis and Tariq Bracey and Nick McLeod and uh, Skoranek would have trouble starting next year as people ascend <laughs> such as everybody. On the so, roster. Well, yeah. Jordan Johnson, you know right. what I mean? There, yeah, in a, a better position a to play next year. So, yeah, I think uh, I think we're pretty unanimous in picking uh, uh, McLeod. 
BWAC 29, does the fact that two to three corners just returned to practice last Thursday mean we should still be expecting to see Sean Crawford at cornerback again, even if only in spot duty, or will he split time between cornerback and safety? I realize that we've, we've already kind of answered this, but how concerned should we be about stopping Louisville's passing game? Uh, I mean, concerned-ish, <laughs> but I'm, with a full-strength secondary, I think the concern is, is ish, like just a little bit. Louisville's going to get some points. They'll hit some big plays, but not enough to really, I think, press Notre Dame in any sort of real meaningful way. Yeah, it's Nick McLeod lands on his shoulder. It gets harder, right? If Nick McLeod has to leave the boundary and then you're wondering, all right, well, can Clarence Lewis go play there? Because I don't think you want Cam Hart coming back from isolation or quarantine going yeah. against Louisville. Um, but that, I mean, but if a Louisville corner gets hurt too, then they're in a lot of trouble when uh, Braden Lindsay runs by him. So that, that's part of football. I, I think once Clarence Lewis is back and he played last, we've talked about that on this podcast, Clarence Lewis <laughs> back gives them that extra corner. Um, you know what? If Clarence Lewis or Tariq Bracey gets hurt, Sean Crawford drops down to corner. So you don't really have to worry about missing corners at this point. Yeah, and I, I would just say that, I mean, Tutu Atwell can run by any secondary in the country. Yeah. Well, he did last <laughs> yeah. year. Notre Dame was a pretty good team last right. year. And he, it, he, he did it last year. Any play, any game, any secondary, he can run by. He can run by. And if Cunningham's on target, you know, they can hit one of the long passes that led to him averaging. It was 18 yards per completion. 18 last year. yards that per completion. <laughs> that's one of the most absurd stats I've ever heard. So, you know, but will they consistently do that all, all 60 minutes? No. If you get burned once, maybe twice, uh, it's understandable. My favorite stat is a trivia question. Cunningham is the second leading touchdown scorer as a quarterback in Louisville history. And there's not a human being that watches football on earth that doesn't know who the number one quarterback for rushing touchdowns is in Louisville history because he does that in the NFL too. So still, yes. still doing it. Yes. Still doing it. Yeah. Not, not Jay. Jay go ahead, Tim. Not Jay Tafel one. Samson has said Notre Dame's offensive line needs to be elite for Notre Dame to reach the playoffs. Would you consider this O-line elite? And does it stack up against the 2018 offensive line? Uh, it's pretty close to elite. I mean, I, I'd like to, can I answer the first part after Pittsburgh in a couple weeks? I mean, I think that's, that's when well, you know. If, I if think it's fair. Elite. I think it's a fair ask yeah. on your part because, I mean, let you know. I, I will say this though. Last week, remember, I, I said you know, Miami put up some rushing yards, but nobody's run all over Florida State. Well, they have now. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, that's the second. That's, but I mean, the second part of the question that's way better than the 2018 line. We, I mean, the I've, three of us, were way down on the 2018 line by the time Pittsburgh left town. Way, way down. Way yeah. Down. Well, I mean, yeah. as soon as Alex Bars was on the turf against right. USC, that was sort of it for that line. This line doesn't have the Trevor Rulin, Mark Harrell. Um, you know, I realize Dylan Gibbons filled in a spot last week, but that's, you know, all those lines have sort of had a weak link. Um, even the 2017 line had a weak link with a sophomore Kramer, freshman Hainsey. This line doesn't have one. Um, you know, it's a point Brian Kelly has tried to make, and I think that's that's sort of a different way to look at elite. Um, but I I think that they're there, and it's certainly better than the 2018 line. I have two thoughts on this. I don't think they have to be elite. I think they have to be the best unit on the field, unless you count quarterback with Trevor Lawrence against Clemson. I think the offensive line has to come out of that game as the MVP of the game. Trevor Lawrence aside, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is going to have a, a day because yeah, Trevor Lawrence I, is awesome. But they have to be better than Clemson's defensive front. Notre Dame isn't better anywhere else. 
Yeah, I, I think my point with the line that I've tried to make is like, if Notre Dame is going to be great, it has to have an elite offensive line. Like yes. the offensive line has to be the best unit at Notre Dame for Notre Dame to compete for a national championship. And at that point, it's the best line in the country, like that level of play. Like a very good offensive line is going to get a, an average Notre Dame team. Like the, that line has to pull everyone up. I, I I agree with all that. I I am not even going going to consider the matchup against Clemson until Notre Dame matches up against Pittsburgh's defensive line. I, I agree that, with you. That, that I agree with you. A, we said this last week. That's or earlier this week. That's one of the great strength on strength <laughs> strength on strength matchups that you're going to find. That that pass <laughs> rush against Notre Dame's pass protection. I think you know you have a better chance to run. Nah, I don't even want. I don't even want to go there yet. We'll go one step at a time with this. They have a better chance to run against Louisville than whatever you're going to say. Yeah, that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that is that's a definite true statement. CMU Penns fan, even if Notre Dame does not make the playoffs or go undefeated this year, could 2020 end up being the best coaching job Brian Kelly has ever done at Notre Dame? We're taking into consideration a, a, a multitude of clearly, other factors. Clearly, yes. Yeah, yeah. I uh, mean, well, true. I mean, let's. Let, if Notre Dame goes eleven and zero, but they lose the ACC championship game and don't make the playoff, then yeah, I would yeah. I would consider this. Um, but there's got to be a win against Clemson at some point, right? Because 2012 was a pretty special coaching job, yeah. uh, and 2017 was a heck of a coaching job because of what happened the year before. Now, I don't. No one expected 2017 would be a bad year, but they were at one point number three in the country in mid-November. So that was a heck of a coaching job by Brian Kelly after a four and eight season. Those those got to be his two best, right? The 2018 yeah. team was loaded, and that, that team yeah. went where it was supposed to go. Right. Um, yeah, but Pete, good point. Love it or no, then you can consider you got to you got to you got to beat Clemson, right? Once. Yeah, you got to do something that you, you have, have to oh, done. Yeah. yeah, to be the yeah. best. For to be the best. Yeah, job. not to be a successful year. I'm saying yeah. to be better than the, going to the national championship in 2012 right. with 12 healthy defenders. Yeah. If you're one of any hell, anyone that goes one and one against Clemson, <laughs> yeah, go, that's a great job. If you go it. one and one against Clemson. That's a hell of an achievement this year. Okay. Judge Arthur Vandalay. We have our, our usual uh, series of over unders to, to, to answer here this week against Louisville. Let's start with Ian book over under 250 and one half passing yards. Over. Yeah, right at it. I'll say over. 250 and a half, exactly. I agree. I'll say, I'll say Williams and Tyree combining for 200 and one half rushing yards. I, I think that's going to be comfortably over. I think it's over too, except I do think the third guy is back from quarantine or isolation in Flemister, and he will get eight to nine carries, oh, which would be the only point. reason it doesn't go over. Yeah. If he takes okay. eight carries. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, uh, yeah, I'll take over regardless. Uh, Kevin Austin, a half a reception over easy over better line last week. Yeah. Yeah. That'd have been a good line last week. Yeah. If he doesn't catch a pass, that's a little, I don't know if it's concerning, but it's certainly really, really disappointing. I think he won't catch one next week. If he doesn't catch a pass this week, that's why I'd be concerned. Yeah. And the offense, uh, over under 42 and a half points. Uh, I am under on that one, but not by a lot. I'm over. I have to go. I have to go over on that. Notre Dame defense two and a half turnovers forced. I'm under because it's they're not they haven't been forcing turnovers and I I I go with Tim that they're not going to do that all the time. Louisville's turnover 
situation. Yeah, yeah, you know that yeah. the, you know, any good coaching staff is going to emphasize mm-hmm. ball security this week. And Scott Satterfield's a good coach. So I, I say under Pete. Uh, I'll go under on that one. And yeah, just because if Notre Dame had like seven picks, right. I would feel differently, but they have one. Yeah. Uh, Louisville's offense last one over under 30 and a half points. Under uh, way under you have highlighted my concern. If it goes over under. Oof, yeah, that would be a yeah, be alarm I, bell over. I mean, unless it's 66 to 33 and it just doesn't matter anymore, but that's under is my. That's a good yeah, way of painting yeah. it. I, I would say under as well. Pin and pull one with Paul Mawala out for the season. Do they move Isaiah prior to Rover full time? What's the depth chart after Jeremiah, Jeremiah Awusu Koromoa now? Uh, they moved him to Rover full time a while ago. Um, now just everybody's going to know it. Um, you know, he warms up with the linebackers on game day, uh, against South Florida. He came in at Rover. Um, you know, Brian Kelly was asked about this on Thursday about, you know, are you getting what you expected? And I thought he was, um, tactful and very nice about his answer because I think that they expected a safety and they got a linebacker. Um, they got a good guy that fits in the program is good in the locker room, but, I think to say that Notre Dame is getting what it expected of Isaiah Pryor is false. Um, they did not expect a third-team outside linebacker when they took him from Ohio State. He's good on special teams, too, but I agree with you that they wanted a, a possible starting safety. Yeah. Um, Go ahead, pin and, pin and pull, uh, not to you know cast any aspersions, but if you just read uh, Irish Illustrated pregame, you'll see that he warms up with Rovers every week. And Pete Sampson mentioned, I think, back in August that he was a Rover now, and Probably a good thing for him uh, because now he can see the light of day now that he's the number two rover. Yep. So, and I don't have any intel on this. Maybe you do, Pete. Uh, if they were to move somebody else to rover, I mean, Leah Fow has worked there before. I wonder if was Jack Lamb an option there? I, I don't. I don't know. Just, I mean, he's kind of buried on the depth chart right now. He could move up a notch. Uh, but I, I don't know if that's the right fit there. And Jack, I mean, Jack Kaiser has worked there before too. So yeah, yeah, but you don't want you can't move him. You can't move him now. Pete, we have him as an All American Buck. We have an All American Buck. As oh, Jack sorry, Kaiser, I, so I, there's there's no. I listened. I listened yet. to the Monday podcast. I wasn't on. I guess I, I skipped over that part. Um, <laughs> we like yeah. him a lot. We do like Jack Kaiser. Everybody like. Everybody likes Jack Kaiser. Do you see that? Looked like. Cross between, no. Uh, pin and pull one. I'm just wondering if that is a new handle because that seems like it just came out from the uh, the old Notre Dame offensive line stuff, but congratulations yeah. either way. Golden by name, do you see any games prior to Clemson where Tommy Reese's game plans, play calling could be challenged? And we will let Tim Priester answer this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, it won't be this weekend. It definitely can be at Pittsburgh. It will, will be, will be because – I mean, regardless how good Tommy Reese is, and he seems to be trending in that direction, Pat Narduzzi, this ain't, this not, this ain't his first goat roping, as they say. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I think it's a significant challenge. It certainly challenged Chip Long, and um, Tommy Reese having just coordinated what will be a total of, what, five games by the time they go to Pittsburgh. I think it's challenging Georgia Tech. I like some of their personnel. I like David Curry, but nobody's going to challenge him like Pittsburgh. I agree with everything you just said. Question from Kay Beasley. Louisville has turned over the ball at an extremely high rate. Do you attribute this to poor coaching, quarterback decisions, or just poor luck? Is it safe to predict that Notre Dame should have two to three turnovers based on watching Louisville? 
Well, I mean, last week they played in a rainstorm, I think, right? At Georgia Tech. Um, and they were winning the game by 14 points before they started turning it all over the place. So it's, you know, some of that's, some of that's bad luck. Some of it's personnel, but um, I don't, I don't think any of that would lead you to it's safe to predict Notre Dame would have two or three turnovers. I think those, while there are trends, turnovers, I feel like are too much of a kind of a one-off occurrence to say like, I predict this is going to happen. You know, I want to go back to something you said, Pete, if they had seven picks, they would have seven picks if they had Alohi Gilman, Jalen Elliott, Julian Love and Kyle Hamilton running around back there because those guys are turnover machines. Um, Hamilton's missed a game. He probably wasn't 100% for another game. They aren't causing a lot of turnovers. I mean, Crawford makes plays and is a ball hawk, but we have to see somebody else make plays and be ball hawks in this situation. Uh, I would not guess that there will be three turnovers by Louisville. I can't say it's bad coaching because we all like Scott Satterfield as a coach, but sometimes you get out, you know, maybe you think you have more in your offense because of what was returning and, and some things need to be tightened down. But I, there's a lot of luck, man. Notre Dame had 29 turnovers in Brian Kelly's second year. They certainly didn't do that the next year, right? It's Yeah. yeah. I, have a hard, I have a hard time attributing 11 turnovers in four games to any kind of luck. Uh, although I guess the, the weather right. is it. Can, you know, DJ Brown should have two, two, two interceptions himself. You got to do it. Yeah. As it should have a couple, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Crawford could, Crawford could have a pick or two. Uh, as it relates to Georgia Tech and Louisville, Louisville was winning heading into the fourth quarter, and they got outscored 20 to nothing in the fourth yeah. quarter because of the turnover. So, uh, I, you know, <laughs> I would hesitate to say that you can never predict two three turnovers because I predicted uh, Jordan Travis to get picked twice last week. And, again, he, could, he, he certainly <laughs> could have. But, he yes, played he way, but even if he was picked twice last week, he, he played way better than a, than a, a two-turnover stat on his stat yeah. line would indicate. Denver Maximus, Javon McKinley, has been getting better every week as a pass receiver. He's been consistent in his overall play this year and getting love from Brian Kelly. Yeah, Priester mentioned Monday, I still need to see more stuff from McKinley. You have more confidence in Kevin Austin, who has not played meaningful football in two years. What does McKinley need to do? Well, I mean, he hasn't been consistent in his play. He had no receptions in the first game and one for seven yards in the second game. And he, it looked like he had difficulty getting open in the first game from what we could tell. Uh, but, but I mean, point taken, um, there's a higher seat. Let's put it this way. Kevin Austin has more physical talent and a higher ceiling than Javon McKinley. I don't think anybody would, I don't think anybody would argue that anybody that's seen them practice or play. No, I don't think anybody would argue that. Right. I mean, Javon McKinley, I think is, is an average Power five receiver. Um, He's a beast. So says Brian Kelly. I mean, it's like, I think you guys talked about this on Monday, but there is such a concerted effort by Brian Kelly to make Javon McKinley confident in himself. Good Um, idea too. It's yep. a good idea. Doesn't it's, make him a beast, but it makes it a good idea. No, it's like he's he's not quite at the point of choosing confidence like Bo Bauer. So Brian Kelly is going to force him to choose confidence. But Kevin Austin, look, whether you go back to the opening in high school when I saw him, or that practice in spring or just some of the open practices that we saw his freshman year, you're just like, holy crap, this guy is good. Um, I've never come away, even Saturday night, when Javon McKinley had 100 yards, I've never come away from a a performance where Javon McKinley was out there and thought, holy crap, this guy is good. Um, He was 
in the right place, right time, made some nice plays. It was awesome to see him have some success against Florida State. Um, but if we're going with who the receiver who could take Notre Dame's pass game to the next level, it's number four, not number 88. I still want number 88 out there a lot more because his blocking is infectious on the team. And those catches, he can't be a zero catch guy. Like Tim is that why like Liam Meikenberg is so good? Tim? No, no. But I think that's why the, I think that's why wide receivers are sprinting downfield to block. I mean, he he caught up to Kyron Williams to block. It's Avery Davis is blocking. Joe Wilkins when he's not dropping passes is blocking. They they are doing a great job. Um, Javon McKinley's not getting benched, no matter how many how much we love Kevin Austin. He he's too much part of the identity of the team right now with perimeter blocking. Yeah, you can play but, him at the same time. Yes, you, cer- you, you certainly can, but you do, that takes Lindsay off a little bit because you want your tight ends. But uh, I think Kevin Austin is a much better wide receiver than Javon McKinley. And I think right place, right time is – you're correct about that with those passes, Pete, um, against a good corner. Sure. But he he blocked better than Austin will be a pass catcher in the next couple of weeks because Kevin Austin hasn't played a meaningful snap since Navy of last year, really. Florida State he got, went out there and did nothing two years ago I'm talking about, and he went out there for one post route. It's just he's not he's not back yet. I don't think. Yeah, I can't. He's a better um, receiver, of course, he's a better receiver. I mean, he's a great receiver when we see him in practice and what, and what the coaches tell us. I can't. I mean, I can't. Obviously, there's some hyperbole involved when you're saying beast and that he can't be stopped by anybody. Yeah, Isn't that what the? I mean, that's, that, that, that's no, good but, coaching but again, though for him. He needs to engaged. Yeah. Something, something's happening in practice. He's not going to go that far overboard if he isn't doing something in practice. And I'll say this that if McKinley Austin, you know, if McKinley is truly trending and there is a potential another year of eligibility, if you wanted to go in that route, if you wanted to go that route, McKinley Austin, Lindsay on the field together could really be pretty dang dynamic. Um, and I would think you know, you talk about Lindsay coming off the field. I would think that with McKinley, Austin, and Lindsay, that's when you're in your single tight end, not your double tight end. So, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I just like two tight ends. <laughs> no, I hear you. No, <laughs> yes. you don't want to. You don't want to compromise any of that. That's right. uh, that's for certain. Jay Schwarzev, is that right? J.W. Schwarzev. What is the best high school tape you've seen of a Notre Dame player? Or that might be the fourth IV at the end might be the fourth. There you go. It's a lowercase though, but that's possible. That's how A.W. Schwartz, the fourth. All yeah. right. Um, you guys go first. Cause I've watched 30 years of high school. I'm going to feel this. Someone I think tweeted this video out <clears throat> last year. I don't know who did it of Tim's analysis of Randy Moss in high say, school. Yeah. So I'm going to go with Randy Moss. <laughs> I was going to go with Randy Moss as well. Uh, Randy Moss by far. Uh, modern Brian Kelly era, Aaron Lynch didn't seem like he could possibly miss. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, there were a lot of guys from that 2011 yeah. class that looked like they couldn't miss. Stefan Tuitt, Troy Nicholas was great on film. Yeah. You know, I, I loved Everett Golson. I mean, I thought he could make all the throws. Uh, I wasn't I mean, Lawson, as high on, was really good on film. Yeah, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, I wasn't as high on Eshak Williams as everybody, and I certainly wasn't. I, Neither was he. Gunner Gunner Keel was never a five star, in my mind. But I, I, I let me just let me just focus on the guys during the Brian Kelly era. Although I guess Harrison Smith came in. Harrison Smith's the guy that when I saw him, I know where I was. Yeah. I was I was sitting in front of a fireplace at like six. I've said this before. <laughs> at fireplace at six o'clock in the morning at Pokagon State Park in Angola, Indiana, 
Is that why you're wearing your Pokagon State Park shirt? Uh, actually, today? actually, uh, that's just complete. That's complete coincidence. But sure. Um, well, other than I love Pokagon State Park, okay. but I Harrison Smith, I was you know I couldn't believe what I was seeing, and in my review, I say it was a first round draft choice. Um, Jalen Smith was pretty damn good on high school film. Quentin Nelson was pretty damn good on high school film, although yeah, I don't. That gets well, tough though, because well, smaller. full disclosure, yeah, full disclosure, I don't think that I raved about Quentin Nelson to the extent that I probably should have, obviously should have. Sure. Uh, but Harrison Smith jumps out. Julius Jones had a ridiculous, uh, you know, that was back in there. That were in the v- VHS time back then. Um, and the VHS I got of him was his 50 rushing touchdowns. So they all look good. Um, Kyle Hamilton, though, when I, when I looked at that, he was currently at that point listed as a three-star. That was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen Harrison Smith was this as a three-star as well. And then, I mean, I think we're all in agreement here. Michael Mayer on film last year, not only as a tight end, (laughs) but as a ridiculously (laughs) dominant, agile defensive end. I mean, I would put Michael Mayer's film up against, I mean, virtually anybody that, that ended up coming to Notre Dame. Rudolph had really good film when he put it that way, but yeah. I did. I did just bring up a twelve-year uh, pro when I said Michael Mayer, so that's maybe a good point by you. Yeah, I mean, look, Tyler Buckner's film pretty damn good last year. So yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. I'll throw him in there. You too. know, for, again, full disclosure, Darnell, you all we all loved him. <laughs> he, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't a player. Um, Max Redfield, I think we all love that film. Mm, he had great tape. <laughs> He had great tape, actually, Max Redfield. I thought he could have played receiver in Notre Dame, except they didn't have any safeties, which made it pretty obvious yeah. what they should be doing. But. I do remember being fascinated by Chase Claypool because it's like, yeah, no, I was, you know, too. because you're 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 I certainly influenced by the fact that he's playing Canadian football and you're not sure how it translates. But his effort on the field was everything that we saw at Notre Dame, and then uh, a re- another ridiculous performance by him last last week for the Steelers. So. Last uh, where question. are we at? Last, last, question. last question. Irish from A2. Has your opinion of Notre Dame's ability to beat Clemson changed since the beginning of the season? If so, what are the major reasons? Pete, you go first on that one. Uh, for me, no. Um, actually, and I posted a poll about this on Twitter. 4,300 votes. 54% said same, unchanged, uh, in terms of Notre Dame's likelihood to beat Clemson. 30% more, 17% less. So I'm, I'm in the same. I think that um, Notre Dame has been more impressive than I thought. Clemson has also been more impressive than I thought. So, kind of a kind of the same. Would Would we have said Clemson's been more impressive than we thought before last week against Miami? I don't I know. know that we. Yeah, I don't know that we would have done that. For me, I mean, Notre Dame's offensive line has been really, really good. And although we knew they were good, and we expect them to be really good. They're playing at a they're playing at a cohesive level that I don't think any of us expected three games into this. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, <laughs> when I watch the offensive line, because as I just said on this podcast, they're the only way Notre Dame beats Clemson is that the offensive line is great against Clemson. Every time I watch the offensive line, I think they have a better chance to beat Clemson. And then I turn on that guy that quarterbacks Clemson, and he hands off to another college football Hall of Famer, and there's supposed rebuilding offensive line that ate Miami alive with Miami's super fast defense. And I always think it's going to be hard to beat Clemson because of those two guys. I think Notre Dame's offensive line gives them a chance to beat Clemson. 
And that has been, you know, you weren't sure if they had a chance to beat Clemson in the preseason with Notre Dame's offensive line, because if the same offensive line showed up from 18 or 19, they would have gotten smoked by Clemson. Right. Yeah, the first quarter of Duke. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Duke, yeah. Coming first out of the half, Duke yeah. game, I would have been like, I would have answered less. Right. Like, I thought Notre Dame's chances to beat Clemson had took a hit in week one, but on the balance of three weeks and where this offensive line seems to be going, I, I, I'm back to same. Yeah. Yeah, the big surprise for me in – and I, and I think you have to include this game in the discussion is Clemson Miami last week. And and you mentioned it, Tim. I mean, really D, Miami's defense gave up 40. I did. Did they give up all 42 points or was there? Yes. A, it, it just wasn't close ever either. It was just a total is, outclass that, of Clemson laughing, thinking what, wait, I mean, Miami, what are you talking about? Why do we care? Miami's in the field with us, right? It's the same as Georgia tech to them. That part is disconcerting as it relates to Notre Dame being, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. beating Clemson. That, 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 that's the, that's the red flashing light that, that comes to me out of that game. Okay. Well, we don't have to worry about that game for a while. In fact, I enjoyed it though, too. I like seeing Clemson do that to yeah. Miami. It was kind of fun, but we have three games, three games to focus on first one Louisville this weekend. Uh, the next time. Yes, Tim. Oh my gosh. I could act like I was deking you and I didn't forget the predictions, <laughs> but I did forget the predictions. Go hit it guys. All right. Uh, I'm going to steal O'Malley's. I didn't actually see what he held up, but uh, I'm at based on the over-unders 41, 17 Notre Dame. I don't think they're going to turn Louisville into Bowling Green or New Mexico um, offensively, but um, I do, I do think that they will be very comfortable Throughout the fourth quarter, and uh, the defense will look better than it did last week, um, even if it's just a touchdown better. I think that it will feel like a significant touchdown better and a step in the right direction for the defense. 16 and a half, 16 and a half Tim, over under 64 and a half. Over and cover. I am 45-24. And the 45 is what I'm confident about. Yeah, man, I, I just... I mean, I'm not um, thinking 31 or anything, but I'm thinking it could easily be 20 or 27. You know, there, there's just... Depends on how the game goes in the second half. I just can't... Little, I, yeah. I can't see... I can't see Notre Dame over the course of the game not going out there and being able to score six touchdowns with those I, running backs in the offensive line. To- totally agree. I think Tommy Reese versus Brian Brown is going to be a mismatch. Partly because I think Reese is doing a good job calling plays. Partly, partly because we don't think Brown's doing a very good job. Partly because I think the matchup is just an absolutely horrible matchup for Louisville's defense. And then <laughs> partly and then, because they're going to line up and shove them to the ground as part yeah, of the thing I, too. I, it's just I, I really think that, and it doesn't. I don't think it really matters what Louisville does defensively. You want to be aggressive, okay? You go ahead and be aggressive, and then see what happens on the second level of your defense when the tight ends are combining for seven catches for 127 yards. Yeah. You know, and the, and the running backs getting the second level running all over them. I think high scoring. My actual score will be revealed in preview on Friday. We appreciate everybody joining us for Irish Illustrated Insight.